This week on the Business of Lifting Weights, we get into our hiring process, going through the checklist that we use to analyze and hire potential candidates. What was interesting is that we ended up recognizing during this episode how this initial step of interviewing potential candidates actually foreshadows how your entire business functions. Making mistakes in this hiring process will make your business harder to run, cause customers not to buy in and join, along with a host of other problems. We actually know this from making some of these mistakes in the past. While coaches are important to the in-class experience, it goes well beyond that and can make or break your entire business. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Brian Pritz. And this is Dave Thomas. And we are owners of Performance 360, back here with episode 41 of The Business of Lifting Weights. Today, we're going to talk about eight traits to look for when hiring coaches. (laughs) Yes, uh, I know that we've done an episode before, a prior episode on this podcast where we talked about uh, just things to look for when you are hiring coaches. Uh, it's in our archives. I forget which episode it is. I believe it's called Building a Rockstar or Staff in yeah. Your Gym. Um, and so this is kind of a 2.0 version of that, I think, where uh, we recently this year, actually probably long overdue, but created a list, um, traits and characteristics of candidates that we require um, for somebody to be hired as a coach. So it's kind of a grading system, 100 points, um, there's eight categories, and we go through as a team, and we evaluate people when they apply, put them through this, and this kind of spits out, is this person culturally, technically, um, personality-wise, appearance-wise, there's a ton of different factors that we go into that kind of net out whether or not they are an acceptable candidate. Yeah, and why I think this is super important and um, you know why we kind of standardize this is before we looked for many, if not all of these traits, but we, it was a little bit more subjective, um, you know, after we would talk about the person, you know, how we felt about them. And it was like, you know, a lot of, did we like this person? Do we feel like they would do a good job? But it wasn't like you have this list that you actually have to grade them on. And if you maybe have a good feeling about them, but they didn't fit some of these qualifications, we still might have hired them because it was a little bit more subjective. So this is like a very easy, you go down the list, if they meet your qualifications, then you can hire them. If not, then you may like them still, and you may have a good you know, feeling about them, but they may not be fit to do a good job as a coach in the gym. Yeah, it's a, a good point. It basically just makes the subjective objective. Yeah. And another another point with that is I think it's very easy to, when you're interviewing somebody, to hone in on something that you really like and it might cause you to overlook absolutely all the things that maybe you're not thinking about in the moment or you're not thinking about that's more on a macro basis um and this kind of forces you to put um put that coach through the lens of every single category that you would need them to be successful yeah um and we'll include this form that we use um in our show notes so uh take a look for that uh the link to get that um but let's just get right into it let's go down the list um The first thing that we look at is the desire to be here. Um, You know, there are two types of people, in my opinion, the people that like want to be a part of something and, you know, they see this brand or this gym or whatever, and they want to be a part of it. Um, There's the other type of person that they're looking for a job. Um, A lot of times you can tell right off the bat 
um, people that do the research and want to be a part of something kind of bigger than themselves w within the gym. And then you can tell right off the bat with those people that are like, I did no research on you. I need a job. Will you hire me? Um, and so this desire to be here um, basically shows their passion for the community, shows um, their desire to get more involved rather than just being a coach. Because if they are just a coach, that may be okay, but it's not going to uh, convert people into kind of brand advocates of your gym um, if they're not one themselves. Yeah, I think the operative word in that is here, like desire to be here. Yeah. Um, not desire to coach, but to be in our specific establishment. And there's a, a big difference. And it's tough because, you know, we are an independent gym. Uh, we are not a CrossFit affiliate. So a lot of the times we'll get um, people that come from CrossFit gyms and we're interviewing them. And sometimes they'll be able to connect the dots on what makes us different. Right. Sometimes they won't. But somebody who comes in and is a CrossFit coach is not going to succeed unless they have the nuance to understand the difference of our training, of how we coach, of how we how we preach fitness. Um, so the, it, it, it can be tough. And it's why we've been so successful, I think, with our member to coach uh, conversion process, because right. we know that those people want to be here. Right. And um, that's not to say that we don't hire outside coaches. I think the last two coaches that we hired prior to our new system were outside coaches. Right. So, and, and CrossFit coaches at that um, yeah. and, bo and both doing well. So, um, but it's just first and foremost that you have to want to be a part of performance 360. And that's why it leads the top of the list. And not only the part, but want to come to classes, hang out in the community atmosphere, whether that's like outside events or in gym events, just to be more than just a coach to be a part of the community. Yeah. Um, you know, you can have traits two through eight on this, but if you don't have trait number one, it'll always be just an underlying tone in your communication or your buy-in or your presence in meetings. And um, it's just, it's got to be there before everything else or the rest of the, the rest of the skills and traits don't matter because you can't, you cannot fix somebody who doesn't have the innate desire to be a part of things. Absolutely. Uh, moving on, uh, number two, talk a little bit about uh, ownership of the room. Yeah. Um, so ownership of a room is a big one and it is something that you can definitely teach and work on, but there has to be at least that natural ability. Um, can we put this person in front of a room and can they be a clear leader in front of that room? Right. Um, so it's really just comes down to, is this somebody that exudes confidence or do they kind of exude more of like a meager withdrawn type of coaching voice and in group coaching group fitness which is obviously what we are um, you have to have you have to have some degree of that natural confidence if we put somebody up in front of a room and they're teaching exercise they're teaching movements they're coaching a workout and there's any doubt from the members in the room of like do I do I trust what you're saying are you confident in this workout are you right. confident in these coaching cues if it doesn't come off as confident and knowledgeable then you as a coach will just never really have a chance with members. So it's a matter, I think, of like we can't put you in this position if you're not confident on some level because we're putting you in a position where you're not going to be successful. Yeah, it's the quickest way to lose trust of your customers and then they'll obviously look elsewhere is to ask a coach a question and then be like unsure and not really have an answer for you and try and skate by. 
Um, to me, a big part of that ownership of the room is if somebody asks you something and you don't know it, to have the confidence and ability to say, I don't know. Exactly. And I think that that is one of the most overlooked things in coaching is like everybody tries to have the perfect answer and try and explain stuff that they may not know. We've had, you know, people that we've had as coaches in the past that are no longer with us that had major issues with this, um, where they would make up answers. And again, that is way worse and loses the trust of the customer when they may know or research on their own and find out the real answer and they find out that you're BSing them. And that's just like total loss of confidence there. Yeah. And I think too, to go with that, it also having the confidence and the ability to give tough coaching, to give, um, you know, negative feedback to members right. on movements and be able to take them down and wait or tell them they're not doing something incorrectly in the right tone. Um, just having that general presence of, do I view you as somebody who is a current or potential leader? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's why we kind of separate that from the third point on the list, public speaking. So ownership of the room and public speaking being two different things, because one I think is um, more of just like a feeling. And I think one is more of a skill. Yep. Um, and I think public speaking definitely being a developed skill. I know this because you and I were both <laughs> probably the worst public speakers in college when we would do projects together. Yeah. Um, and now I think we're both totally comfortable with it. So I'm positive that it is a developed skill because I we remember are... our presentations. Well, I this is one of my favorite stories about myself is I used to pay my class partners $20 <laughs> to just give my portion of the presentation whenever we had, you know, public speaking projects. <laughs> so I would do all my work. I would lay it all out. And instead of going up to the class and just presenting it, I would pay somebody <laughs> 20 bucks to do so. It's so, uh, yeah, God. But so point being is, um, you know, in the gym atmosphere, uh, I, f I feel like I did a really good job of presenting the workout and being that, um, you know, authoritative figure in that space. And that was absolutely learned and developed over time um, because I just, I didn't have that in the past. So, yeah. And I think that's what really separates um, coaches that are in the one-on-one -on -one environment versus coaches that are in the group environment Right, is you, you've just got to get comfortable with public speaking and, it's part of the reason why we have our assistant coach program because it lets people get comfortable with that very gradually and you're not just thrown immediately into kind of like the highest level of public speaking, which right. is like never having done it to now you're doing it to 20 to 25 people. Yeah. And, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And we have seen, you know, assistant coaches that we've hired who've been good qualified technical coaches, but they just completely lack ownership of a room point number two and public speaking point number three. And they're just people that we can't move forward with because right. if you can never get over that hurdle and find your confident coaching voice, find your ability to um, pre effectively present a workout and persuade people to want to do it in the ways that you're suggesting, then you're not just not going to be successful in that environment. Yeah. You bring up a good point um, about the assistant coaches where they have a lot of time to slowly develop these skills and <laughs> I, I, we make fun of Lenny a lot on this podcast, <laughs> our third, uh, third business partner that owns Ocean Beach location. Um, originally, before we had the assistant coaching program, people would be trained and hired and uh, we'd throw them 
just right into the lion's den and they would have their first class and it was like the first time coaching in this gym with 25 strangers and there was a lot of really really bad (laughs) first classes and I love making fun of Lenny for it because he was just a total mess Um, and now he's incredible at it but um, that always brings up that um, like you remember it, right? Absolutely, I yeah. remember it. I was gonna say like Robbie too, who's Robbie, like one of our yeah. all-time most popular coaches, and was an awesome coach. Like his first class, everybody's got their, everybody's got their like fillers, right? What they do when they're not sure what to say or what when they're nervous. <laughs> Robbie's was to say fuck every other <laughs> word. <laughs> you know, we're gonna fucking do this uh, ten fucking swings here, and Lenny's would be to just not say anything <laughs> and they were just filled with silence like it's man there's that time where like we were working with Lenny onboarding him as a coach and uh we had the exercise where it was a bunch of movements on the board a workout on the board and we were like all right look at that workout and tell me I forget what we asked I forget what we asked him but it was like tell me what movement up there you would look out for x y and z yeah and um, I remember we're standing next to Lenny, and he turns head oh, yeah, sideways, and he looks at the whiteboard, and he's just staring at the whiteboard. And we're sitting there, you know, giving him time to answer, and he just keeps staring at the whiteboard. And I think you and I kind of glance at each other and, like, almost started <laughs> laughing because, like, genuinely two minutes went by. And yeah. that doesn't sound like a long time, but think about, like, standing with someone, waiting for an answer for two minutes, yeah. and, like, nothing happening. Yeah. And then he finally like turned back around. and was like yeah, kettlebell swings. We're like, very good, Lenny. Very good. <laughs> he would also uh, switch words. So like instead of like as his walkthrough, instead of being like, and then kettlebell swing, he'd be like, and then swing kettlebell, <laughs> <laughs> and just like totally butcher the format of the sentence. <laughs> Yeah, and anyway. it's just amazing now because when you go to his classes in Ocean Beach, it's like he is, does such a good job with it. Like he makes you so excited to do the workout. There's that comfortability where it's like uh, this person is a, my partner in the workout, not just right. like group fitness instructor. And it just lends itself to the idea of it is absolutely a skill that can be developed. And we, we certainly, I would say this is one where we have the, the most patience with our coaches right? because we know that not everybody comes from a background of public speaking and we know how hard it is and we know that it takes a while to get your voice and your confidence. But the reason why it's on our list is because I think we can spot at this point who has that ability to at least develop into that right? versus somebody that's just a natural born wallflower doesn't have the projection of their voice, doesn't have the communication skills like on any base level to develop into that. Well, I think that shows the importance of having something like a assistant coaching program because if you're interviewing somebody and you're going through this checklist, I mean, it's kind of a crapshoot whether you can accurately judge somebody on all these different categories. So the fact that we have an assistant program, assistant coach program where we can see people develop and we can judge them based on actual experience rather than just a, you know, 30 minute an hour interview where they're probably bullshitting you. Yeah. Um, I think too, you know, if you're not in the ability, if you're not in a position where you have the ability to slowly onboard coaches, then in the interview, make a coach like write and present a workout and just see how they do with it. Yeah. Um, I think that's a very good indication of like, is this person, 
just a technically oriented coach or can they communicate? Right. And communication, I would say, like, they don't – I hate, like, putting things head-to-head that don't need to be. Right. But, like, if you were to do that, I would take communication over technical knowledge, like, Absolutely. every single day of the week. Absolutely. Because – there's only so much technical knowledge you need to be successful and anything that is lacking can easily be taught, can easily be learned uh, by either sending coach to a seminar or certification, doing it in house. Like those gaps can be filled in, right. but learning communication takes so long. So long. Um, so if there's no base level of it, then it's just not something that we can proceed with. Yeah. I think that's a really good point that not everybody has the ability to have an assistant coaching program like we do where, you know, they get to judge these people in, in real time. So setting up something where they have to do the, present in front of, um, you know, whoever is interviewing them or uh, the other staff, I think nobody goes into a job interview and isn't nervous. So they're going to be nervous, which is perfect because can they calm those nerves and deliver a good presentation mm-hmm. to a, gr- a group or individual people? Absolutely. Um, so next up on the list, number four talk a little bit about that. Yeah, this is super cliche, if you will, but being coachable and team oriented. And while it is cliche, I think it's uh, one of the most, one of the more important things. Um, Just obviously, you know, within a gym, your coaches are all kind of under the same umbrella there. And if they don't get along, that's going to trickle down into your community and kill the community as a whole. So um, the fact that you know, they don't have to be best friends, but um, can they work together? Can they um, be coached by the upper level management or owners or whoever um, to be able to share, to get them to provide the experience that the gym needs to provide? Yeah, I think too, you know, coaches are very, uh, it's a very proud profession Yep. and coaches are, you know, they take a lot of pride in their knowledge. They take a lot of pride in how they coach, their coaching voice, their coaching style. It's obviously gotten them to the point where they're successful, so they believe in it, as they should. But when you're coming in here, you know, we in particular, we have a very, very, very regimented way on how we coach. We expect, you know, um, certain things to be brought up in prep phases. We expect certain forms of tactile cueing, you know, coaching movements a certain way. You know, the coach absolutely brings in their unique ability to to deliver those things but our format and our style of coaching is not something that we want people to go rogue on right so you know it takes that person to can i adapt my skill set my knowledge my technical knowledge and will i allow myself to be coached from a communication perspective so that i can be effective in this environment right um so that that's just a big one and we've had coaches that have quickly been weeded out who just weren't coachable right you know we had one coach last year who, um, you know, our head coach was trying to coach up on their interaction with people trying the gym. And he was just completely unreceptive to it. Just said, uh, direct quote was, um, well, I'm not, I'm not here for money. Right. And it was like, congratulations, I guess, but, uh, we're a business. Yeah. So we are. Yeah. And part of your job is to treat people trying the gym with the same respect and the same treatment that you would with members because we need those people to join. Yes. So if you're too cool or good for this, then like this isn't the spot for you. Right. And it turns out he wasn't. Right. Um, so it's like, in my opinion, that's not being coachable. Like you can and should have your values as a coach, but at the same time, you're going to need to be open to your gym's values or your head coach's values and you're going to need to be able to adapt your skill set so that it fits in with a team. Otherwise, like 
go start your own private coaching business. Uh, but part of being on a team is like show us the ability that you can actually be on a team. And this one point causes so many gym owners a ton of problems. I'm on a few different, um, you know, gym owner discussion groups, if you will. And one of the most common posts is I've got this coach that won't listen. He won't follow rules. He won't do this. And it's causing like chaos in the gym because um, it's dividing members. It's dividing coaches. It's creating just this negative energy throughout the gym just because one single person isn't on board with all of this and isn't team oriented. Yeah. And I would wonder, like, it makes me wonder if any of those gym owners, how they have them set up, if they're W2 or 1099. And I think there's a lot of subtlety to that in how you set up employees. You know, if you don't, if you have people 1099, then you can't expect those people to really feel like they have to answer to you. Right. Like on on a deeper emotional level. But if they're actually like W2 employees, like all of a sudden, maybe they feel more of a connection to that environment. So that I think is something that people should definitely consider. Side note, uh, if you're 1099ing people, that's uh, illegal. (laughs) Number one. There you go. (laughs) Um, so there was a gym out here that got fined a hundred thousand dollars for having their coaches on 1099. Um, you know, is if you're that gym that does that, are you going to get caught? Most likely not. But if you do, um, you're looking at the end of your business and also the fact that it doesn't kind of help your employees be coachable and relatable and all that stuff, then it's just not worth it. Like figure out how to get them on, on payroll. Yeah. And I think it's up to the gym owners in the gym to make an environment where people want to be coached. You know, what is your work environment like? What is, how are employees treated? Are there incentives in place? Do people feel ownership? Do they have autonomy over certain things? If you're not providing any of that, then I don't think it's reasonable to ask people to be coachable. But if it's a give and a take and you're providing a positive workplace, then um, that point number four tends to take care of itself once that person is hired, but just making sure that you can establish that the person is open to being coachable and team oriented. And I think the way to figure that out is, you know, in the interview process, be direct about that, you know, talk about the way that you particularly do things in the gym and ask a direct question. Like, are you, are you okay? Are you open to doing it this way? Talk a little bit about this. Are you not open to doing it this way? And just get answers to see where people land on. Can they adapt their skill set for your environment? Absolutely. Um, it's funny each time I kind of bring my eyes down to the next one. It's like, ah, this is super important too. (laughs) Every single one is, which is the reason that it's on the list. And I think we originally had like 40, that might be overstating it, like 40 different things that we put up on the whiteboard Mm -hmm. and we slowly narrowed it down and merged stuff together and all that. Yeah. That's maybe we should take like a quick 30 seconds a minute and talk about that. We kind of missed that in the beginning, but we did arrive at this list by exactly like you said, like brainstorm between four people. We were just throwing shit on the board. Like, what do we need to stick? And we whittled it down, whittled it down. What is vital? We all voted on each one. And these are the ones that kind of came out. So this is, you know, an extremely thought out process for our environment, but you know, you can definitely use this for yours, but you have to figure out what's most important at your gym. Right. So, the one that, that just caught my attention again that was super important was can you communicate and relate to all levels? Yeah, I know you're you're very big on that one as, as I am as well, but um, just talk about how, how and why that's so important in our environment. So uh, because we have such a large membership base, we have every person under the sun that is complete beginner to prof- professional athlete. And so we 
for the most part, most of our classes are coached by a single coach. We do have the assistant coaches that coach some blocks as well, but typically it's one person with a room full of 25 people from moms, first first time gym goers to professional athletes, people on the high end of the spectrum going for performance, all this different stuff. So can you, this kind of go, goes back to ownership of the room as well. Can you command, communicate, and relate to every single person in there? Um, and I think that that, that's one thing that we have really worked on over the past quarter is the in-gym experience, um, what we call our first 90, and that's the first 90 days people are at the gym, is getting to every single person in that class, communicating with them, and somehow building rapport and relating to them in some way. And it doesn't have to be gym-related. A lot of times it can be just something outside of the gym as well. Um, but can you basically get through to that, to that person no matter what skill level um, age, gender, everything. Yeah. And it's really important too, because fitness coaches, there's a good chance you're in really good shape. There's a good chance that you're really strong. Um, and there's a good chance that you're just really capable and athletic and coordinated, right? The people that you coach, you are lucky if somebody might have one of those qualities. Yep. So it's having the understanding that people are going to view you in a way where you are intimidating. Yep. And are you going to be able to reach the overwhelming majority of the people in your class who aren't your mirror image? So we sent out a survey. Uh, was that this year or last year? I think it was beginning of this year. Beginning of this year, yeah. Yeah, we sent out a survey at the beginning of this year where we just got, you know, asked members their goals, why they come to the gym, what they're looking for. And we found that 25% of our membership comes to the gym for strength the single goal of strength, single goal of strength. Yep. Now in the CrossFit strength and conditioning, whatever you want to call that catch all, um, industry that we're all in, most coaches are interested in strength yep. that, that makes up the bulk of their training. So knowing the divide between that and the fact that our membership, 25%, one out of four in your class, if you have 20 people in that class, that's five people in the class who are like on your same page. Right. That's the minority by an overwhelming margin. So how can you then get through the other 15 people in the class who are there for overall health, who are there for wellness, who are there for aesthetics, physique goals, body composition? How can you take your skill set and relate it to those people? Right. And we spend so much time as a team in our coaching labs, in our coaches' digest, in interactions and reviews, focusing on that single perspective. How can you get to the majority of the room that make up our membership, our members, and that keep us in business. Yep. And if I were to point to the reason why we are where we are, whether or not you deem that successful or not, is we do a very good job of this because yep. we spend a lot of time on it. So I think it's such an unbelievably important concept to grasp because so many gyms do a really good job of serving their mirror versions of themselves, right. you know, serving a hundred people who want to come in and do exactly that kind of stuff. Right. But you're limited to people who don't want to, who want to do those workouts, but use it for a different set of goals. Right. So if you can get through to those people, all of a sudden you can genuinely, genuinely double your membership yeah. just by the way that you communicate and by the way that you speak to the room and by the way that your business attracts 
to those kinds of people. So, you know, our gym focuses on the ability to communicate and relate to all levels. And we simply filter that down to our coaching staff to live that every day. And if, if people don't have that ability, then it's, it's a hard no. Yeah, I think you brought up just a fantastic point that this is talking about a coaching checklist for potential hires. But that point right there is it goes way beyond that. You know, exactly what you said. A lot of gyms, they try and force their strength and performance goals on their members. And this goes back to uh, leadership. This goes back to programming. This goes back to how your classes are set up where, you know, our demographic is going to be different than yours, but our demographic only 25% care about strength. And that was a little bit of an eye opener to us. We thought it was much more than that. So the ability to attack or I wouldn't say attack the ability to allow multiple goals to be achieved in your gym is just a massive point for people to focus on. If you can get multiple people who have multiple goals to be interested in your gym and programming, then like you said, you open up your, uh, the ability for your gym to double in size. I agree. Not just allow, but like aggressively suggest. Yeah. yeah exactly. And you know, nothing drives me more nuts than like gyms that are just total performance snobs. Yep. And like, yeah, we have performance in our name. That's the driver of our adaptation. But right. it's like, do I really expect the average person off the street to come in and like deeply care what their 500 meter row time is? Right. Like, no, <laughs> I want them to focus on it as a tool for improvement to get them towards their goals. But like, if the reason you're in the gym is to get good at things in the gym, then like, I don't want to be in that business. Right. I want it to be people can use those tools to hit their goals. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's, that's the reason why we have our phase, uh, excuse me, our assistant coaches, when they start out, their job is coach phase one. Right. And they're mixing themselves in the rest of the class, but it's because we want our coaches, the very first interaction of being on our team, learn how to coach brand new people. Right. And it's an extremely steep learning curve for some because they're like, whoa, you know, I kind of thought everybody was athletic and right. coordinated and could do a squat. No problem. Like I have to actually teach the base <laughs> mechanics of a body weight squat. Yeah. And it's just such an important part of the process that we have to have coaches exposed to that. So right. uh, moving on, talk about self-awareness. I know this one's super important to you um, and me, but yeah, I don't know why I, I, it just screams Dave all over it. <laughs> it's kind of like the uh, um, cumulative it's kind of like the accumulation of all of these different things is, are you aware enough to know how the room is perceiving you? Mm -hmm. Like, do, can you tell if you're vibing with the room? Can you tell if you need to make adjustments? Um, do you know your strengths? Do you know your weaknesses? Are you basically just in tune with yourself? And it's a little bit similar to being coachable and team oriented, but it's like, it's the step before that. Like, right. do you know all these things about yourself or is every time we present this feedback, you're looking at us like we have, you know, an eye in the middle of our forehead. Right. Like, do you know yourself as a coach and where you are strong and weak? Right. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen we, – the reason why this, this point is on here is because we've seen coaches come in who check off, you know, six or seven of these things. And it gets to the, to the real time of like, oh, wow, this person really doesn't know that, like, um, they're doing this or that their behaviors either inside of the gym or outside of the gym are reflected 
in their coaching and they're just not picking up on the fact that members see them in a way that they don't necessarily understand. Right. And I think it, it, it's, it's important to, that this follows the, can you communicate to all levels? Because it's one that I think like really, really advanced, strong, physical, good looking coaches, either they have the awareness that they're that and they can make the adjustment or they don't. And they're always going to be fighting this uphill battle. Yeah. Um, I'm, we're going to go on, on a limb here and <laughs> give Lenny just some pure, straight, <laughs> awesome feedback and praise. Um, I think he is incredible at the self-awareness because Lenny is a little bit, um, I don't know, on the spectrum maybe where it's like, he's out there sometimes. He's, you know, when he first came in, he was doing his own thing. We we're like, who the hell is this guy? Um, oh wait, this was supposed to be pure praise. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so he now obviously runs the majority of our ocean beach location gym, uh, classes. And he is just so good at changing his presentation and his vibe and his ability to communicate based on if trials are coming in, if he has more of an experienced class, if, you know, the energy is down, he just has a really good ability of taking over that room and, altering it to what needs it to be a good experience. And I think it shows in his numbers because uh, he used to convert trials when he was a coach at the main gyms, you know, at between 50 and 60%, um, which was middle to low. Um, and now he converts like 85% of people over at the new gym because he's just gotten better and has the ability to just command that room now. That's such a good point being able to tailor the specifics of the workout to the overall vibe of the people in the class. Like one of the things that like to this day drives me nuts in our facility is if we have a coach that's like super into performance coaching primal mm -hmm. are like completely non-performance oriented class. They'll talk about performance in the movements. Right. And it's like, Every time I'm like, these people are not here for this. They right. select this class because they want the workout without the focus on that. Right. So like stop talking about hip extension, like increasing your vertical jump right. and like making moves on the field that they don't play on. Right. It's like you have to have that awareness to know who's in the room and structure the communication so that they buy into what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, so number seven on the list looks the part. Yeah, this is tricky because – it's kind of, it's kind of messed up to have this on the <laughs> list in a way. Um, I don't think it is at all. I mean, from like a, where we are in society standpoint, like this is, you know, we'd get killed by uh, all the people on Instagram that are hating on everything. Anyways, um, looks the part is su super important. Um, people look up to coaches. I am sorry to say this, but people cannot look up to a coach if they're out of shape. And I, I'm not sorry to say that. Like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I'm if not, you're but. in this, if you're in the space of health and wellness, like don't be fat. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And I, you know, I talk to um, family members, friends from home about different places that they go, and um, you know, I was talking to my little brother about one of the places that he tried looking for a gym. Um, I won't name it by name, but it has to do uh, with a theory of sorts. <laughs> and um, he actually loves it, but he, like one of the classes that he tried, he's like, the coach was just so overweight and I'm just not listening to one word that he's telling yeah. me because I either, it's either not true because you look this way or you don't follow it, which means you're not inspiring me as somebody right. to follow it. So um, it's not to say that you have to be like ripped and have a six pack and all that stuff. Like, it is definitely right. not to say that. 
Um, but you have to look like you're into fitness. You right. have to look like healthy nutrition, healthy exercise, sleep, hydration. You have to look like that's a, a part of your lifestyle in a significant way. Because if you don't, then you're never going to be able to have the room want to follow your lead. Yeah, Just I mean, I, cut and dry. I, I had a similar experience when I played baseball in the Red Sox system. We had a strength and conditioning coach that was fat. Yeah. Like, he was strong, but he was fat. And not a single person listened to him, followed the workouts, did any of that just because it's like I'm not, I'm not listening to what this clown <laughs> says like he obviously doesn't follow like you said with your brother he doesn't follow it himself and he doesn't it, or adhere to it or whatever um and it just loses respect yeah and I think back to our college strength and conditioning coach at Richmond freshman year it was a guy that was like fat like visibly fat yeah and we treated those workouts like a total joke yep and then the next year we had Rooney, who we talk about in a lot of different formats. Right. He was like competitive powerlifter and just was like, he was shredded. He was shredded, yeah. And it was, he was inspiring. It was right. like, okay, like I want to do what this guy's telling me, not because I want to look like that, right. but because he just, it's part of your whole vibe as a coach. Like it made buying into what he was saying so much more believable because he lived it. Right. And he made us want to take it more seriously. Right. You know. How seriously we took it is another question. <laughs> I mean, it's college. <laughs> he, he made me want to take it more seriously. Um, and that, to me, that's like such a good black and white contrast of like a different coach, which by the way, we set the school record in wins the year we had him as our strength right. and conditioning coach. Yeah. That's and no, I like, that's no coincidence. to this day, maintain that he was like a massive part of that. Absolutely. Um, and we've, you know, we've interviewed people before who are just like, they're visibly not in shape and other aspects of their candidacy are strong, but it's just like, we can't, we cannot put you up in front of a room about being healthy when you don't look healthy. Right. So, (laughs) um, I think that's a part that I think like needs to be confronted in a way that's open and honest and, you know, um, an aspect of coaching that's just hugely important. Yeah. How do you tell somebody that doesn't fit that qualification that they're not hired? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm sorry, you're fat. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would hope at that point they would have the awareness to know that maybe they need to like make some changes. Yeah. Uh, lastly, number eight, having a clear purpose and personal vision. Is this purposely number eight because it's least important of the importance, or just happen to fall that way? Um, I would say yeah, least least important because a lot of times people don't have that when they're hired. They know that they want to go down a certain road, but they don't know where that road ends. Um. But they at least need to know, like, where it's getting started. And, you know, we've talked to coaches before. Um, I think it's a little bit more relevant when we talk about assistant coach hiring because a lot of these people are getting into formal coaching for the first time. Right. Where, you know, there's that person who you get get along the interview process and you start to realize that this is really just like a community status symbol. And that is a very different type of person than somebody who – wants to get into coaching and they want to help people and they want to help people get the results that they got and, and just be like a beacon for that. And the person who wants to be a, you know, a status symbol, it's easy to sniff that out. And I would say that is not clear purpose or vision right? because where are you going to go once you've achieved this for yourself right? versus the person who wants to get into coaching and get started in coaching. They know that they want to do that and they know that they want to apply that position for the right reasons rather than, you know, filling an emotional void for themselves. Um, and I think the reason why this is scored is because, you know, you can have it to varying degrees. 
we could be interviewing someone that says, I want to do this, the lead to this, because one day, like I want to, I want to own a gym. Right. And like, we've talked to people like that Mm -hmm. and we've talked to people that are like, you know, I don't necessarily know where I want to go. I know I was meant to do coaching. I know I want to just really continue to develop and go down the road to increase how much I coach and my job as a coach. Right. That's very clear vision too. Right. But the person who's just like, you know, I don't really know. Um, you know, I just, I want to start and kind of see what happens. That would be a super low score of somebody that doesn't really have a purpose and vision behind what they want to do. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind the person that says I'm just starting to explore this, but like, I'm super interested and passionate about coaching and helping people and they may not have that long-term goal, but they do have that short-term desire to get into the space. And and that's something that I don't mind, even though it's not like the most clear vision. Yeah. I mean, I think you could make the case that too clear of a vision can be a hindrance because they'll be so rigid in, in how, you know, what they do and how they do it. Um, there has to be some degree of pliability there. Yeah. Um, a so. good kind of correlation is those people that are like, I need to be married by 30 years old. Yeah. And it's like they're 29 and then all of a sudden they're Make like, a stupid decision. yeah, they're making dumb decisions. So if somebody is like, oh, I want to be a gym owner by, you know, 35 and, you know, they're 33, it's like they're not going to be with you and share the same kind of path as, as your gym. So I think we need to do a podcast on like what is being a gym owner because people think it's like it's like the good salesman who goes to the sales manager. Like those are two different jobs. Right. Like usually that person is terrible at being a sales right. manager because it's two skill sets. Right. Being a good coach like does not correlate to being a gym owner. So I think we need to like crush everyone's dreams <laughs> in an episode of what being a gym owner is all about. Yeah, right. For example, I wrote checks for $22,000 today for taxes. <laughs> and I just got told that I have to compile five years of financial data <laughs> by Monday. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, future teaser, uh, teaser episode, tune in so we can destroy your dream in life. (laughs) (laughs) That should be the title. (laughs) Um, yeah, really good stuff. I think today, uh, just to kind of quickly recap it, the eight traits, uh, the desire to be here. Number one, uh, number two, having ownership of a room. Number three, public speaking. Number four, being coachable and team oriented. Number five, the ability to communicate and relate to all levels. Number six, having self-awareness. Number seven, looking the part. And number eight, having clear purpose and a personal personal vision for yourself. Um, so I think all things to consider. I have no doubt that some of these can be applicable to any hiring environment, but I think ultimately it's up to you to go through that process of if you're a sole proprietor, brainstorming yourself, seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have coaches, managers, a team, get with ones you value. Um, and collaborate with that and see what nets out as being the most important for your environment. Because as we've learned, and I think every gym who's made a hiring mistake knows, it's just so much more costly from every single measurable to correct a bad hire than it is to just take your time making a good one. And if you're still a gym owner that uh, still coaches on the floor, do this for yourself. See where you lie. For sure. You may find yourself lacking in some few areas that you might need to polish up on. For sure. So um, this will be in the show notes. So take a look at that and uh, we'll see you next time. If you'd like to learn more about Performance 360 and our systems for increasing membership numbers, revenue, and processes to run a more profitable gym, check out perform-360.com slash growth.